0: Love Talk Radio. Good
1: afternoon, everybody. Uh, this is Dr. Simon. The Stories We Live By is the name of the show. And uh, in my lead-up to uh, discussing um, having an interview with uh, Stella Levi, uh, the lady I met and I spoke about last week uh, on the Isle of Rhodes, uh, who was a uh, Holocaust survivor, Uh, I want to talk today about scapegoats and scapegoating and the consequences, the serious consequences of uh, scapegoating on a social level, on a psychological level, uh, on a moral level, uh, because they all all become uh, implicated, all become tied together. Um, Scapegoating is universal. I don't think there's ever been a society or a group of people who didn't scapegoat. That is to blame others for uh, things that go wrong um, also I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what, what seems to be achieved uh, or what people think is going to be achieved by successfully scapegoating individuals or groups um, in the process of well first let me say that scapegoating exists at all levels of human interaction um, the the, 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 the most clear are what happens in societies at large and what I believe uh, we're close to now in terms of the process of scapegoating in terms of the current uh, election process but it exists in schools where uh, groups of children will scapegoat other groups of children Uh, it has always seemed to have existed in uh, relation to organized religion where one religion scapegoats uh, another, blames another, um, tries to achieve a sense of moral righteousness at the expense of another religion uh, or uh, a group of people who will not participate in their religion. Um, it exists uh, on, on the family level. Uh, some time ago, and you can go back into my archive and listen to my interview, uh, which I thought was an excellent one, with uh, Dr. Lou Wynn. Uh, whose book, Healing the Hurting Soul, a manual uh, for uh, the black sheep in the family, um, I thought was an excellent discussion on scapegoats within families where a particular child will be targeted uh, by family uh, and siblings uh, to be blamed and held accountable for bad marriages, for other kinds of problems within the family. So, this exists at all levels of, of uh, society, and um, I probably will always exist, unless, of course, we become fully more aware of it, unless the story of scapegoating becomes our own, if we own it, and I think if we own it, uh, it becomes more difficult to use the process of scapegoating because now there is a self that recognizes that the process is going on. Uh, most of the time, people are completely unaware that they're scapegoating. They're completely unaware that this is happening. Uh, they're living in the situation. They're living in the scapegoat process. Uh, they're living in the story uh, that uh, of the scapegoat uh, and the scapegoating, but they don't stand outside of it and say, boy, uh, there's something really wrong here, um, that what we're doing. Um, again, I, I am very frightened about some of the kind of scapegoating that's going on now, uh, The the Republicans, and again, I can't stand to blame the Republicans, but I really do feel um, uh, (laughs) that in the last eight years, the use of scapegoats uh, to instill fear in people and and create power through the use of fear uh, um, has been one of the more successful, um, even more than 10 years, uh, more successful among the Republicans than the Democrats or anybody else. Um, I just saw the film W, uh, which is the story of George Bush growing up. And uh, right after he stopped drinking, and I can't help but think that the world would have been a much better place had uh, George really been still sitting at a bar and drinking and had been actually a guy you could have a drink with, uh, uh, just a good old boy. Uh, But instead he, he entered his father's campaign uh, when his father was running against, uh, successfully against uh, Dukakis from Massachusetts. And one of the um, scapegoats that was created in that ad was Willie Horton. Those of you who are old enough, this may bring back some memories. Uh, Willie Horton, of course, was a black man, because in this country blacks uh, or people of color have been, from the beginning, a useful group, as I will describe in a little while, to scapegoat. And uh, he, the, the creation of the fear of Willie Horton, the criminal, who apparently had been given some uh, weekend passes, or he got out of jail early, and he committed some more heinous crimes, um, I mean, this could have been same thing, could have been told about a white person, because um, this has happened many times with, uh, with, with many people, but uh, Willie Horton, uh, it was no question that in my mind that uh, he was black, and that was therefore the perfect individual to create a scapegoat situation with. And uh, that won the election. Uh, this year, the scapegoating is uh, elites, intellectuals, uh, uh, people who suck uh, latte and, uh, and, and uh, went to Harvard. And, of course, this is aimed at, uh, across the board, not just blacks but whites, uh, big city uh, folks, um, And and sure enough, big city folks do tend sometimes to get arrogant and look down their nose at people who aren't big city folks or or highly educated. But the way this is being used is that um, people who live in small towns uh, are real Americans, and those of us who have a lot of education are uh, the other. And uh, we are the false Americans. And that gets very, very scary. What happens in a scapegoating is there is an us, a we. The we, the in-group that picks the scapegoat, uh, is usually seen as good, as perfect, uh, primarily also as human beings, basically human. Uh, many of the Indian tribes, uh, the, the uh, 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 you know American uh, Indians, on the Plains Indians, the word for their tribe, for their group was translated the people, uh, and people who were outside were not the people, so that this was perfect kind of scapegoating situation. Uh, there is an us, we are good, we are perfect, uh, we make no mistakes, we have nothing to apologize for, uh, and very often, as in the case now, the implication uh, is that the real Americans. Uh, love God and are loved by God and the uh, unreal Americans the false Americans uh, those who deserve not to be in power uh, where, those who are dangerous uh, to those who are uh, the real Americans uh, are godless and uh, this all comes together in a story that says uh, we are perfect uh, we are the righteous we are the good and you are not good In fact, you are not human. You are some kind of other. And the technical term other is always capitalized, O-T-H-E-R, signifying that you are an outsider, uh, even a monster. And so you have all of this going on, and it's always going on in one way or another. Again, I say it goes on without any kind of awareness that it's going on, um, but it satisfies it seems to satisfy a variety of needs. Oh, I I should mention here that one of the scapegoated groups that goes on, and this is how I got into this whole uh, uh, area of discussion, was those labeled mentally ill, those labeled schizophrenic. They are immediately the other. And it was always amazing to me when I came into the field how I was uh, uh, taught to think of those diagnosed as schizophrenic as people you didn't want to talk to and who didn't want to talk to you um, and so when I was, started getting uh, uh, cases assigned to me in the clinic I worked in um, uh, that were diagnosed as schizophrenic I was terrified, I mean absolutely terrified I mean what would I do with these uncurable, morally damaged, imperfect, non-human beings and, of course, one of the great things that happened to me uh, as a psychologist is that I discovered not only were these people human beings, uh, almost all of them, uh, when you trace their history, uh, I came to recognize, at least in cl- with clarity to me, that what was called schizophrenia or a mental illness was, in fact, a, a defense, a way of dealing with unbearable psychological pain, often the result of being the family scapegoat or the school scapegoat. Uh, one of the things we overlook, particularly as children get older and form friendships, is the power of those friendships to protect uh, the ability of children to form cliques and form the in-group and then go after those children uh, who don't deserve, in their eyes, to be part of that group. And so many of these uh, people i worked with over the years were tortured in junior high school and high school. Uh, Young girls who were flat-chested, boys and girls with acne, um, children who were minorities of religion, one way or another, um, kids who weren't athletic being tortured by those children who were athletic. And, of course, there were those who who would form their own uh, groups, and become the in-group and scapegoat others. Uh, It was interesting that there were people I worked with over the years who um, uh, victimized those who took drugs, but then many of the people who smoked pot got together and took drugs saw themselves as superior to those who didn't and created all kinds of shared stories in which they saw themselves uh, uh, as the superior beings having greater courage and greater insight than those who didn't take drugs. So this can work in a variety of ways. Now, what happens is that there are a number of needs uh, that are satisfied. And I I define a need as some psychological uh, feeling that has to get satisfied. It's an itch that must be scratched. I I think I've done a show once before that separates needs and wants. Uh, I want a new golf club, but if I can't get it, it's okay. But I need to see myself as being good, uh, as, as uh, worthy of love and life. Um, this is incredibly important. I don't, I don't see anybody really functioning in the world unless they see themselves as having some kind of worth. So that when they look in the mirror, there's some kind of pride and some kind of enjoyment in relating to the self. And I have spoken many times on this show about what happens when people develop damaged senses of self, uh, often being the scapegoat or being the low man on the totem pole. Um, so there, there has to be a feeling of goodness and worthiness, a, moral, uh, a sense of being morally right. I'm always amazed over the years at how many people would come to my office or, or see me in the clinic, or even students uh, who had messed up their whole life uh, and, of course, almost every time when they went into the history, they didn't start messing up until they were messed up. They were part of uh, families. They were part of groups uh, that really were uh, represented a horrendous uh, situation to create a life story uh, and adjust and, and, and form the kind of skills uh, that led to a creative, loving kind of life. And these individuals would say, first thing, I know I've done this, I've taken drugs, I was promiscuous, I was this, I was that, but I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And, and, and the terror that I would say to them, or in any way imply, that they were not a good person. And of course, so much of that was then all or nothing. If you weren't a good person and a perfect person, you are a bad person. And so the individual, and I'm going to talk about this next week, by the way, the, the sense of how, sense of defect and the way one uh, works their way out of that. Um, Going from a sense of being defective to recognizing that one was victimized, and then finally taking some kind of real responsibility as an individual for one's life, for our lives, and recognizing that whatever was done to us, we don't have a right to do it to others, which is often the case, and that uh, we get on with our lives, developing a story that gives us choice, that allows us, Uh, to to find love, to find uh, a way, uh, a place to be creative and successful so that when we do look in the mirror, when we look in the face of another person, uh, we do it with our eyes open and comfortable, uh, being face-to-face with ourselves or others. So uh, a second need is to be part of the group. Uh, We want to belong. For many years, psychology talked about individuals as being a kind of of self-contained islands. And indeed, as I've spoken about many times in my series, uh, it's important that we feel ourselves to be an individual. I don't think you can be creative unless you see yourself as an individual. On the other hand, uh, I went to the doctor last week. I couldn't diagnose my own problem. Uh, And fortunately, I went to the right doctor with the right problem so that uh, uh, I'm on the way to being able to deal with this and put it in the back of my, whatever it is, uh, in the back of my mind um, until something new as I get older crops up. I need doctor. I need my wife. I need my family. I need friends. Tomorrow morning I'm going to play tennis. You cannot play tennis by yourself. You must have other people. And it's wonderful for me to be part of a tennis team in which there's a camaraderie in which we are uh, together, uh, in which we win and commiserate uh, when we lose, and cheer and celebrate when we win. Uh, I don't see being alone, and I don't see being absorbed by the group either. It's always that balance, that tension that I've spoken about many, many times. So we need to be part of the group. Uh, We need to feel loved, have a sense of belonging. And finally, we have a need for purpose to have a goal in life. And scapegoating seems to uh, fix or, or help us solve these needs and other needs. Okay? Um, once we become the in-group, we see ourselves as worthy of God's love. Uh, once we get together and uh, we pat ourselves on the back as to how perfect and wonderful we are, and we successfully dehumanize the other, Uh, Once we've done that, once we are the good American uh, in in opposition to the bad American, once we are loved by God and uh, ready to uh, slay the apostate, the heretic, and others who are the great Satan and hated by God, once we have done this, we have achieved, or we apparently have achieved, the feeling that we are good and worthy, that we are part of a group, that we are loved, we are accepted, we have a sense of power, and now saving ourselves and, and protecting uh, each other from the outsiders who might hurt us, who would hurt us, from the devils, from the, from the bad Americans, from those who are not worthy of us, now we have a, part, a purpose in life. We have a goal. We have a cause. And uh, Many years ago, when I would talk, discuss this with my students, up until I left, it's always a topic. Uh, what makes your life worthwhile? I always got a number of students say a cause, and of course, you could have a cause of uh, being part of a group that tries to cure cancer, or you could be part of uh, Hitler's Nazi regime or the communist countries uh, in which the prosecution of the of the disease of the Jews. Uh, in that case, uh, or uh, the communists who persecuted non-communists as well as Jews and well other minorities, um, and those who wouldn't join the Communist Party, uh, perfect sense of being part of the group and of having a real purpose and a goal in life. So scapegoating creates the uh, satisfaction of these needs, although as I will speak about in a little while, a little while. I don't think that it really satisfies these needs and that the price you pay for enjoying the process of scapegoating... Uh, wait, I have a question. Somebody wants to speak to me. Hello? Hi. Hello? Hello? Yes, hi.
0: Hi there. I'm calling from Canada.
1: Oh, that's nice. Yes. My and name uh, is... your name? Michelle. Michelle? What would you like yeah. to say?
0: Uh, well... I only caught about uh, maybe three or four minutes of your show uh, because I just got the email. Uh, I was out, but I'm a scapegoat. Um, just a second here. Let me just switch phones, okay?
1: Cause yeah, sure.
0: So. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know how much airtime do I have here.
1: Well. Uh... Probably not as much as you'd like, but uh, I have extra time on the show. I'd like to hear a little of your story. Sure.
0: Okay, if you just give me, say, a ballpark figure, just yeah, so five I... ten minutes. Okay. Uh,
1: you can always come back another time. Okay. I I'm usually listened... on every Monday at four o'clock, as much as I can be. Yes.
0: Okay. Just when I saw the the title, the uh, the topic. Yes. It is just. Uh, I'm a lightning rod, you know. For? Uh, my family, um, there's a great deal of past trauma, and it's all been buried. And uh, um, alcoholism. Uh, I'm a scapegoat, and I was driven to such a point of um, uh, illness that you know, I started developing so-called symptoms at about seven age, uh, you know, seven years of age and uh didn't become full blown until I was in university, and uh, so that started the whole um ensnarement by the psychiatric uh, um, machine you know the I'm psychiatric
1: sure. machine, which by the way then scapegoats you that's
0: right They're
1: yes i mean there. you know if, i if you've listened to my show i don't know have you heard the show before
0: oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah,
1: oh because yeah. uh the worst thing that can happen to somebody who's been scapegoated is to end up in psychiatry yeah. and be diagnosed as mentally ill. That's right. Because then you really have problems.
0: Oh yeah. And I have just actually and you see I had so much there was so much uh, so much meddling, so much interference from my parents. They they committed me. They, they, they did, huh? How me, old were you? Well, let me put it this way, as an adult because when I I was just so ill and vulnerable, but they just kind of it, their um, their attitude or their mindset is let the institutions fix her. Let's let the institutions fix our daughter. Right, right. Kind of thing, right. And my dad worked on Bay Street here in Toronto, which is like you know like financial kind of big you know VP type. Jobs, high paying jobs, so they figure, oh, well, we've paid enough in taxes, the system owes us. So the system should, so, you know, in quotes, fix our daughter. So I've been fighting with them from childhood up to now, and I have just actually managed to um, get myself out of a whole huge uh, oppressive mess, like right. in terms of treatment. Like this, you've heard of PACT, a sort of, kind of treatment. Assertive community treatment?
1: No, uh, I haven't act. heard of it, but I can imagine. State,
0: yeah, it's just sort of like the next degree. Well, hospital without walls. Right. Okay. And, you know, guilty before proven innocent. Like,
1: um, well, of course. Know. See, if you're scapegoated, you have to be guilty before innocent. By the way, do yeah. you have any idea why your family picked you? Are there other, are there other uh, children in the family?
0: Yeah, I think because uh, I'm the brightest. Well, I mean, not to be arrogant, but because I just wouldn't put up with the BS.
1: Isn't that fabulous? Somebody has to say, I'm not arrogant if they say they're smart.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm just trying to be, uh, it's been a real double-edged sword.
1: I know, uh, I know. Because if you see too much and you speak up, you immediately have a problem.
0: And I'm not trying to be inflated, or, but I'm just trying to tell you yeah. um, that it's kind of like, this is the thing. It's like my parents, uh, they saw in me, you know, this potential. It's like I did well in school. That wasn't my outlet. That's how I, I it's not like it showed my grades. I did exceedingly well through all this. It was my way of, that was pretty much the only out I had. All right. You understand? All right, sure. That was my mold in the family. Sure. But it ran out. But it just, I couldn't keep it up. Once I reached university and everything was just falling apart in in fragments, I was just, it was terrifying, you know? I mean, I'm sure it was.
1: And who could you tell?
0: Pardon?
1: You were all alone. Oh, well,
0: yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, what I'd get from, I remember when I was at university and I had this friend who was a nurse, and she just took me by my hand like I was a kid, right? But she said, you know what, you just... You don't have to – don't be ashamed to just show it. Just show it. Like, whatever it is you're going through, just don't even worry about – because I went to a pretty, you know, like Ivy League university, which is uh-huh. so caught up, in, caught up in appearances and the whole game, right? And she walked me down to the emergency, but the um, attending doctor, he figured I was on drugs, right, my like, <laughs> presenting symptoms. Like, he figured I, I was just on and – he, and, he and he concluded
1: that, that after what, five minutes, four minutes, three minutes?
0: Oh yeah, well, exactly, and and yeah. you know I remember being in there all night, and then in, in the morning he says, "Get her out of there," you know, get her like he said to, said to a, a like, you know, cleaning person, or you know, get her out of there, get her out of that room, like a really abusive guy, and um, but it just uh, like oh gosh, it's just been I've st- I've run away from home in sense that I've studied overseas, it was it was a form of running away from home getting as far away as i could
1: are, are you away now no are you outside no, your family I'm now
0: but i've decided to i'm in the process of divorcing them so to speak because i can't i just cannot continue with the cycle of abuse
1: i just yeah that's the, uh, that's really the only way the problem is that that you see i was going to continue talking about this i uh yeah, yeah. i
0: so Sorry, you, you, I don't want to cut into your show. No,
1: no, why don't you stay on the air, and I'll talk a little more, and then we'll come back, okay? Because you're terrific. I, I really enjoy talking with you, and I'm sure anybody who's listening and will listen, because this will get archived, you know? Okay. And uh, lots and lots of people... Huh?
0: I hope I haven't given out too much personal. No, you
1: have, by the way, you know, one of the things that happened when I first, 40 years ago, and I started seeing people that I used to then call patients... Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sorry I ever used that word. But anyway, uh, everybody feels that, oh, my God, I'm the only one who's gone through this. I'm the only one who could tell this story. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, your story is a majority story. Mm-hmm. If you want to believe it or not, everybody has gone through all kinds of pain and either felt they were going to go crazy or went over the line in such a way when they were dealing with their pain and their emotions that they called themselves crazy or they got visited by psychiatry in one way or another or got committed by parents who, who uh, created the situation in the first place because of their own internal fear of craziness, their own sense of lack of control, you see?
0: And whatever crap from the past, to put it mildly, that's a euphemism, but whatever toxic waste they have, just
1: buried. Yes, and, and by, by the way, right. it, it, it's not even buried, you live it. See, that's what I was talking about before. You live it, but you can't stand outside of it and say, my God, it's toxic waste. Toxic waste has to be buried. It has to be gotten rid of in some effective way. But when you're in the waste, you see, then you're part of it. It's part of you. And, And the scapegoat is usually different from those who do the scapegoating, who has the power, you see. But they're usually harmless in and of themselves. They can't really fight back, which is why children... Uh, why, why children make a wonderful scapegoat, particularly if it's a girl, um, particularly if it's a bright child who's a little different than the rest of the siblings. See, that becomes easy to target because they can't fight back, and you can now define them with the language that you need to define them. Uh, the yeah. Jews were particularly wonderful in Europe for a thousand years to I be the scapegoat. I've huh? got
0: Jewish blood. I have Jewish blood. Uh,
1: okay, well, I'm not. <laughs> Either congratulations or my commiserations, uh, yeah, yeah. depending <laughs> on how you see it. Um, uh, anyway, from my mother's side, the Jews you know. for a thousand years were scapegoated because they were small, they were different, uh, they acted different, and therefore they could be easily scapegoated. In this country, what protected the Jews were blacks, mm-hmm. a small percentage minority, ultimately harmless to the, to the majority, harmless to those really in power, and therefore different. You can pick them out. In every case, you'll see that there was something about the scapegoat that made them observable, makes them uh, 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 um, easy to target, and you don't have to really worry. But what happens, you see, in the processing, in the scapegoating processing, whether it's the child or the group uh, on a group level, whether it's religion or it's a, a minority of some kind, Those in power define their pain in terms of the scapegoat. You follow? So it's the child who gets blamed for ruining the life of the parents. Right, right, right. It's the black who's now defined as the person who's ruining society. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, It's the Jew who was defined as creating all the problems for the Europeans. So what you now have is that the one who is really weak is perceived as having all the strength. And when you're a child and you're put in that situation, it drives you crazy because you know you don't have any real power. You're powerless. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the definition of a child. You're powerless yeah. in relation to adults.
0: That's right, and yet now, I believe... Sir, can I just intercede just for a little Please. Moment? I believe and I really feel so strongly about building up um, strong interventions for, for children.
1: Yeah, but I do, too. The problem is I don't believe that you force your way into families. You see, there's a problem because when I, again, all the, through the years of my being a professional, I watched as the state took more and more opportunity to try to intervene in families forcibly, if necessary, to protect children. And what did they do with these children? They put them into the psychiatric machine. So so they went from the frying pan into the fire. They were again defined. And this is the problem that you may have if you think about it, that so many people I've worked with is that you now become your own scapegoater. You now blame yourself for everything that goes wrong. You now take upon yourself the idea that you are defective in some way, that you're damaging goods. That. I'm, I'm sorry?
0: I've moved beyond that. I'm in the process of moving beyond that.
1: But you were there.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. See?
1: Because, and and next week I'm going to talk specifically about the process of moving from feeling that you're defective to recognizing that you had your ass kicked one time too many, that that you were Mm -hmm. in the pot, that that you were being cooked. Okay? Mm -hmm. But then you have to get beyond that too. There has to be a way of now saying, I'm separate from that, and I'm going to get on with my life with the choices that I want to make. I'm going to pick the people I want to be with, and they're not going to ever do this to me again. I have to have my own sense of power, my own sense of authority, Mm -hmm. you see? And, Mm -hmm. And that sort of brings everything full circle to the point where if anybody ever says to you, you're damaged goods, you're crazy, you're nuts, you're this, you're that, you look at them and say, Oh, thank you. Uh, I wouldn't want to be normal like you. I, if you define what is normal, then I really don't want to have anything to do with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, perfect sense. I'm glad. I'm really glad. Um, what else do you want to talk about in, in, in this struggle that you have? By the way, did you hear me? Uh, I have a good friend named uh, Dr. Lou Wynn. He's out right. in Albuquerque, so I'm not recommending you uh, see him or anything. I mean, But he wrote a wonderful little book called Healing the Hurting Soul, a survival mm-hmm. manual for the black sheep in every family. Oh. And I really got angry at him for writing this book because I wanted to be able to write something like this. And mm-hmm. everything I write comes out like Barack Obama wrote it, you know, very mm-hmm. professorial. Uh-huh. And, and and professionals don't want to read my stuff, and the stuff that I've written really doesn't come across uh, as, as the kind of reading that non-trained, you know, people who are outside the lingo want to read. His is simply written. It's a short book. It's really wonderful. You can get it on Amazon. Okay. And it doesn't cost a lot either. And uh, I think you, you might find it very helpful.
0: Thank you very much, because uh, you know what? I... Uh... You know, I've done so much searching myself, and I found truly, like, to, to get the help I need, I need to go outside the system.
1: Yes, you do. By the way, let me give you an email address. Now, this is an interesting email address. I'm not really associated with this particular group anymore okay. uh, because I, I had a big fight with them uh, over something that I'll maybe talk about another time. But mm-hmm. you can find therapists who do not use drugs and won't use labels, people you could say to. I want to work with somebody, I want some help, but I mm-hmm. only want to work with someone who's not going to diagnose me and who's going to accept me for who I am and how I think and feel without morally judging me. Okay. Right, and,
0: and somebody who knows how to deal with trauma.
1: Yes, and, and trauma. Knows, knows what I've been through and therefore can really help me. Uh, the group is called the International Center for the Study of Psychiatry and Psychology, ICFCP. Oh, I,
0: I know what you're talking about. I've been to the website.
1: You've been to the website. Yeah. Yeah, and if you contact them, uh, they don't have a lot of therapists because uh, they're they're a bunch of pariahs. They're mostly pariahs, you see, to the larger field. Um, I could tell you my own story about being scapegoated at the university level, at the clinical level, because I kept arguing that you can't keep diagnosing people because a diagnosis is merely a bad word. And then oh, yeah. all they were doing after a while was drugging and drugging and drugging and mm-hmm. these horrible, toxic drugs, terrible, I, terrible I, drugs. That, that, I,
0: sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But, but I brought up what you had discussed in my doctor's office about the, about the medications and such. And, and, and just like, you know, like I, I just said I had been listening to a psychologist on the web. And he said, oh, well, there are psychologists out there that want to use drugs.
1: Yes, the raw. My field sold out. See, and and the reason I ended up uh, uh, parting ways with ICSPP, even though I'm unhappy about it because I liked a lot of the people there and I thought they were right online, is that while many of these people will excoriate and hate the drug companies for selling the drugs and advertising, they won't then go and make the extra step and say, I'm going to open up my office and I'm not going to justify it as treatment. Because the word treatment or psychotherapy implies that there's something that needs curing. Right. And I don't care what you were like at your worst, you didn't need curing. You needed love, you needed support, you needed clarity, you mm-hmm. needed rationality, you needed a, another story, you needed a platform from which you could look at your life from the outside and mm-hmm. recognize that where you were, how you were living your life really was not in your best interest. That's right. You see, And that has nothing to do with medicine. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with cure. It just doesn't have anything to do with it. And so I kept arguing that um, uh, signing health insurance, for example, is fraud. And nobody really wanted to hear that because the entire field followed psychiatry and fought for medical uh, insurance, you know, the right to sign insurance papers, right. third-party payment. And uh, that, to me, it, it may be helpful. You can justify it in the sense, well, I couldn't afford this anyway, other way. But the problem is that it's a lie. And, yeah. and, and whenever we get caught up in these lies, whether they're the scapegoating lies or the lies we tell ourselves to, to make yeah. ourselves feel better, we end up we, in trouble. That's right. You've got to just, we, yeah. Yeah. But you often need someone to help you feel safe when you tell the truth. You know we talk. You know, the lies are called little white, little white lies, mm-hmm. and the truth is called the terrible truth, the painful right. truth. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's how we're built in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I have um, a hard time telling. Mm-hmm. Huh?
0: I have a hard time telling, like being dis dishonest. You know, like even telling. I think also because of how I was so micromanaged and. Um, they were so hard on me, my parents. Were you physically abused? You oh, yeah. You mm-hmm. were? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. That's, that's that's terrible when I mean, you have to live through that because yeah. then you really feel helpless and frightened and angry, and then you're not supposed to be angry. How can you be angry at your parents? Yeah. You know what? Let Thank me finish you. up a couple of things. I wanted to talk a little bit about the consequences, and you can hang on. Okay. And by I'll the way, up. I thank you so much for calling in.
0: Well, you're, 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 you're wonderful. Very welcome. And I, I, had been intending to for a while, and uh, you know, the summer and kind of get busy with other things. But so I'll just hang up and just go. Continue no, hang on. Summer. Just
1: hang on. Okay. I just wanted to go through some of the consequences of being in a scapegoat situation, and either being the scapegoater or the scapegoatee. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, the feeling of love that you have. In a a scapegoat situation, when you're scapegoating others, it's a false love. Um, Soldiers don't love each other. They're comrades. They need each other for survival. Uh, But they need each other to stand together. And nobody is allowed to speak a deviant in in a situation where you're scapegoating. You'll notice among political parties, nobody dares uh, speak up in disagreement with the authorities in the party. That's considered very, very bad form. And so what happens to people is that it empties them out. You see, you get emptied out because no two of us see the world in the same way. And in order to live with people in the world, there has to be a common language, and we have to agree that a, a, a carrot is a carrot, and an mm-hmm. automobile is an automobile. But the way we see the carrot or the automobile, or how we feel the taste of the carrot on our tongue, it's got to be our own. It's got to be our own experience. It's exactly. got to be how we see it as individuals. And so individually, individualism dies when you're part of a mob. And I'm watching all of this, this, these, these campaigns now with, with a sense of horror about it's all mob and mob rule. Yeah. You know? And it's yeah. as ugly as it could possibly be. Uh, you're always in danger when you're part of the scapegoat. You're always in danger, because while you're safe as long as you're beating up on the weak one, the minute you try to protect the weak one or see their point of view, you now become scapegoated. You now have to be beaten up. You have to be shut up. You have to be shut down. You see? And so you lose your own story. It becomes a mass story. It becomes everyone's story, and as a result, it's no one's story. So you're not part of the group on the basis of choice, and and certainly... If you've told your story more, you didn't pick your family. Mm-hmm. You, were, you, were, you were picked by it. You were born into it. And, and when you're a child, there really is no alternative to a family, mm-hmm. uh, unless it's a better family. It's certainly not the state taking you out and putting you in foster care, uh, which is a horror here in the United States that is just... Yes. Uh, were you ever in foster care or, or you stayed within your family?
0: I stayed within my family.
1: Yeah. yeah. How old were you when you finally uh made the break or you went away to school?
0: Yeah, although I did go to um I went to Spain on a an exchange. Uh, not an exchange, on a home state, because I studied right. languages. I studied languages and um that in a way was a form of running away.
1: Yeah, no, that was, was escape. That was, was a perfect escape. Don't ever call it running away, you escaped. But
0: but it ended up being worse. <laughs>
1: Yes, in, because in a lot of ways you me. took it with you
0: but the family the, their treatment toward me was horrible the father was so authoritarian yes and it was just horrendous like it was just rep- so repressive and it was just it was horrible and my that, that was my first serious sort of you know bout of depression
1: right you and, were called terrible names weren't you
0: yeah and, and just just badly treated
1: yes but you were in
0: spain yeah
1: did they come after you
0: they came to visit me
1: oh they did they came after yeah. you then yeah yeah they had to come after you because you see if you, you if you were allowed to escape they would have to have somebody else as the scapegoat by the way has some other member of the family now taken your position as the scapegoat um I think, you know, it,
0: it would be my. my um, there are two things happening my sister's husband, my younger sister's husband, and then their son. And I see this going on.
1: Yes, because you I see, the, see it. Yep, your parents, if they're still drinking and still denying their pain, because this is mm-hmm. what they're doing uh, with the alcohol and the scapegoating, they need someone now to justify their pain. They have to have the common enemy. They have to say, if it wasn't for you or whoever, we wouldn't be drinking. I wouldn't be in this misery. They're what the a problem. They're on a cruise right now. Huh?
0: They're on a cruise right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> by, by the way, I just came back from a cruise. A me? A cruise is a great place for people who really want to drink. Exactly. I mean, I saw drinking on this cruise. Uh, you know, I have some wine in the evening. I like to drink, but... Okay. I couldn 't hold myself to these people. There were people there who started at three four in the afternoon and staggered back to their stateroom at night and started the whole process the next day. But you see, you don't have to drive, you 're safe on the boat, and mm-hmm. it's made for drink. They sell alcohol on a boat like crazy, because that's how they make their money. And yeah. it was like, oh, it's marvelous if you really want to drink, uh, and it's also it's, it's completely socially acceptable to drink heavy on a boat. It's it's, mm-hmm. part, it's part of the of the uh, law of the cruise. Right. Uh, anyway, I thank you for calling. Okay. I really Let's do. See. Was this helpful at all?
0: Very much so. Um,
1: call again, would you please?
0: Okay. Yeah, I uh, also I posted once just a comment under Language Girl.
1: Oh, I remember very early. I didn't know who Language Girl was. You said you yeah, loved the show. I mean, that was the first show I did. I think.
0: I'm language girl.
1: You're a language girl. That's great. That's great. By the way, what do you do for a living, if I can ask?
0: Well, because of all this, I've been seriously compromised in the work department. Yeah. Yeah.
1: By the way, if you fill out a form lie, don't tell them you were ever a patient. Sorry? Lie. Uh, Oh. How Anybody sees that you were a mental patient, a patient in a hospital, you had a diagnosis, uh, their water runs out of their body. They become terrified mm. because th- this is th- one of the universal others. The mad person right. is is an other, and it's very hard to to uh, climb out of it. Um, and what happens if they ever catch you, they will fire you. But then you won't get hired mm-hmm. anyway if you if you if you, if you okay. tell the truth for most places. This is what happens. Well, they won't yeah. hire you at the level at which you deserve to be hired. Yeah, I'll go in. when I
0: call when I call again. Some other time, hopefully, we'll have a chance to... I had an experience at an insurance company that was just a nightmare.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. You know? I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I wish you all kinds of good luck.
0: Thank you very much.
1: And, thank and you. Uh, I hope I hear from you again. I hope you stay on uh, and listen to the other shows. I'm going to have a terrific one on November 17th. Talk about being scapegoated. I'm going to have a woman on who uh, survived the uh, death camps. And uh, that was the ultimate the ultimate uh, result of scapegoating people and not seeing people as human uh, while you blame them for your troubles and, and, and yeah. uh, exercise power over them.
0: So well, I'm on the email reminder every week, so you know the reminder that goes out by email? Right. Yeah. So I Very guess good. Yeah.
1: Take, take care of yourself.
0: You too. Have a great okay. day. Okay. Bye.
1: Bye. Okay, it, my, my show says four minutes remaining. Uh, anybody else would like to call in? I would love that. That would be very, very nice. And um, whoops, waiting for host to call in. I hung myself up just now.